The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the Hello power, everyone and welcome power. to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming I to you live on, Big, on Port Fan Radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, <laughs> I'm Macca19, <laughs> and joining us as always... Is Rick? How are you, mate? Um, I'm resilient, man. I'm resilient. What about you? Ah, uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Have a good weekend. <laughs> I had a very, very good weekend. I, I really enjoyed it. I did nothing. What about yourself? Uh, the kids and the wife went away, and I had to work most of the weekend. So I had the house to myself and ate pizza, watched football, and did a lot of cleaning. It was great. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of peace and quiet. Wouldn't yeah. hurt. That's it. Three kids in a crazy household, I'd imagine. So you get a you get the odd reprieve now and again, Macca. It was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah. I hope everyone had a good long weekend and and did something fun with it. So before we lose it all to the Corona shutdown. <laughs> That's right. It's coming. It's coming, baby. It is coming. It is coming. Just like I was after the game on Saturday, mate. Uh... <laughs> Let's uh, let's get straight into it. Do you wear and, do you wear uh, a, do you wear a diaper when you watch the footy? Uh, sometimes. Well, the advantage of the adult diapers is you can just get pissed and sit there, and you don't have to miss any of the game. That's right. That's right. Well, look, let's get into it and discuss <laughs> the uh, the matters of Saturday, which is uh, Port played Western Bulldogs in Wyala, and uh, what a thrilling finish it was. Um, Port kicked the last five goals in the match. In the last 10 minutes to win by 10 points, 14-11 to 13-goal-7. Charlie Dixon, Todd Marshall and Jared Leanett kicked two goals each. Mate, uh, do you want to give us a quick overview of the match? I thought it was a great game. uh, The reason I said resilient, if you you remember, I I texted you and said the only thing you missed from your write-up was one word, which was resilient. Um, I noticed Ken actually came out and used that word yesterday. Uh, so obviously it's noticeable by a few of us that um, yeah the the team actually had a it had a hunger uh, to actually win whereas in recent times I feel like um, you know we just roll over too easy meekly even and and just accept our fate and so it was great um, that all the playing group not just the elderly or the young the whole team actually stood up the first quarter. Um, I didn't really uh, notice the wind as much. I uh, wasn't paying that much attention. So I was texting you a little bit, complaining about the uh, quality of skills while you were working. Um, and uh, and I thought it was a bit disappointing. It looked a bit of the same old Port Adelaide of the last few years where uh, it just sort of pinned in the back line, pressured, and just those blind around the corner kicks. You know, a couple of the experienced players that we're used to had some sloppy possessions, um, you know, but we were able to hang in the game. However, you know, we were avalanched with inside fifties in that first quarter, um, and uh, but the boys hung tight and they gave themselves an opportunity with the wind in the second quarter um, by uh, keeping the the scores relatively close, like within ten points or whatever it was. Obviously, in the second quarter we freed ourselves up, uh, played a little bit more open. Uh, I wasn't convinced in the first half that our, our midfield was fantastic, uh, but we were still doing enough um, to get the goals, get the momentum, hit the four, tall forwards, and I think that was the most one of the most exciting things for me out of the game, uh, looking for the tall forwards and the small forwards playing like small forwards and crumbing on the ground. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, the, who would have thought that you would play football like that? You know, I'd, I mean, the the days of Sam Gray being the one going up for the hangar aren't there, which is just um, music to my eyes, really, I'll say, because uh, not my ears, but my eyes, because it made me bleed uh, watching our smallest player being going up for Speckies left, right and centre instead of being on the ground. And I don't know if that's Sam's fault or the coach's fault. But anyway, we got a nice lead. And then obviously the second half was uh, you know, a similar sort of storyline to the first quarter. Um, Bulldogs you know, came back. I didn't think we were hemmed in like we were in the first. And uh, and then obviously the last, yeah, I thought 
they were quite uh, they were on top for half of that first quarter, and I thought it was going to be difficult for us. And uh, but yeah, bang, the boys were able to grind it out and manufacture goals, which is great. It can't always be perfect football. With with Lena kicking uh, two at the end, who I thought had a pretty ordinary day as a uh, as a defender, really. Uh, I'm not convinced there, but. Um, he obviously, well done to him, he had some influence high up the ground. But, mm. uh, yeah, I mean, but I think the first half, our midfield stoppages is somewhere something that we can still improve on. Um, Lysett's ruck work I didn't think was great. Some people said he had an injury in the first half to his ankle. I didn't notice it. I didn't see him limping at any time. I was oh, he did. He, he did uh, there was one contest where he sort of pulled up a little bit. Yeah. It looked like he might have been a little bit injured, but... Yeah, look, he didn't have his best day, that's for sure. But uh, it was no, a, no, a I mean, pretty interesting, pretty interesting game, really, because there, there was quite a few times where I thought, "Oh, it's game over. We're just not switched on today," mm. and yet we still won. And uh, as you said, it was resilient. I've uh, I've titled this podcast "Character Building" because I thought we showed a hell of a lot of character out there to win in that fashion. Um, Especially in that last quarter when, when the Dogs kicked a goal to get 20 points up. With 10 minutes left, you think, oh, that's probably game over. You know, it's a trial game. You know, it's just going to peter out the rest of the match. But, you know, we kicked hey, with, two... with three two key pretty... players injured on the bench. Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And we kicked two quick goals within about a minute, and then it was game on. And uh, we just found a way to claw our way back and, and win the match, which, uh, yes, it's only a trial game, but um, character building, mate. It showed a lot of character, showed a lot of guts, and uh, you know we don't usually win those sorts of games, trial game or not. We don't win those sorts of games. I don't care that it was a trial game. I'll just take the win. Yeah, because it sets a it sets a culture and a standard for the rest of the year. You know that this is the benchmark that we expect from you from an output perspective and performance perspective, regardless if you win or lose. And we just don't expect you to roll over. And I think it might have been um, Big Footy poster Pilfio 5 who said like a week and a half ago that this season has a bit of a 13-14 season feel to it. Mm. And I can sort of see that with, you know, maybe the old, maybe that bridge of old to young is a bit deeper or wider this year than what it was in that time. But, you know, we've got that, you know, we've we've got the picks of the last few years coming through. And I feel like Ken, he knows that he's cooked, right, if he doesn't perform this year. So he's got nothing to lose. Yeah, I think that he seems to probably be the calmest that he's been in a while, knowing that he knows what his fate is, basically. Yeah. And uh, and I think that flows through to the players as well. Um, I guess what's frustrating for me from that perspective is that, you know, it's come to this to get that sort of mentality. And... You know, I'm sort of tired of Port Adelaide really since 2001 really needing all the pressure off to perform, right? Yeah. That's been our that's been our history for the last 20 years. Take all the pressure off when we've got nothing, when there's no expectation for us to do anything. That's when we seem to do okay. Uh, E.g. the 04 Grand Final, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I really hope that we can change that mentality in the ethos going forward and get a bit of more consistency and killer about us. But, hey, great game. Loved it, enjoyed it, and I'd much rather that than watching a loss. Yes, absolutely. Every day of the week. And, look, I do agree with you. I thought the first quarter was a little bit disappointing, especially... We lost skills coming out of the defensive 50. As you said, there was lots of blind kicks, lots of weird uh, panic kicks that we've uh, come to know and love or loathe um, coming out of the back line. And it just sort of helped the dogs set up um, a bit of a wall across that their sort of forward half of the half of the ground, which we found it very, very difficult to get out of. I've got to, I've got to say, Maka, you brought it up in your written review um, and it's something that I've seen, but we need to just get... There's two things with this guy. Uh, McKenzie is just not a key defender. Mm. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the one-on-one skill to be a key defender. And for me, the biggest myth about this guy is this cannon boot that he apparently has got because I don't, I don't think I've ever seen 
him launch one big kick at Port Adelaide so far in his career. And the biggest kick that he sort of did on the weekend was sort of like it ended up being a bit of a tumble punt more than anything. And, yeah, I I see him, uh, I see his name, and I want to see this massive long disposal, a bit like Hamish Hartlett, because it could mm. be a weapon, right? But we just either we tell him not to use it or whatever, but it would be great to, to see him use that weapon because I really think it can affect those teams that like to flood within a, a zonal radius and and could really help break that open for us. Yeah, he's no Stewie G, that's for sure. He you know, launched into them every single time he had the opportunity. And yeah, I kind of agree. Like, I can't recall McKenzie letting rip with a monster kick uh, in his time at Port. He used to do it all the time at Gold Coast. But seems like every time he tries to let rip with one, this time he sort of uh, yeah, ends up being a bit of a tumbler. Um, I don't know, he's lost his mojo a little bit there maybe, but look, I agree, I, I don't think he's a key defender. I think if we're relying on him as either depth or as being part of the first 22 as some sort of key defensive option, then I think that's fraught with a lot of danger because he doesn't have the size. I don't think he's got the defensive nous to, to handle one-on-one contests. Um, he's not overly quick. So I don't know why we've chosen once again to bring a, a guy who's a bit of a weapon further up the ground and try and turn them into a key defender. Yeah. A la Nick, Nick Salter. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, and many more before them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, that's... I'm just... Pick, I'm picking on one guy, unfortunately. But, I mean, I guess, yeah, if I'm to be a bit critical with our, our well, thinking look, he didn't for the play season... Well. He didn't play well. He, no. got, he had four goals kicked on him. He was on... Um, he was on Josh Bruce for most of the day, and he got hammered. Slaughtered, yeah. <laughs> he got absolutely and, slaughtered. And for a guy that's on worry. the fringe of the 22 and is probably hoping to get in in round one, like, that's, for me, that would have, uh, you know, ruled him out completely. Well, I think the the big the concern with our defence, I guess, is maybe that one tall to uh, lacking, but we're not going to be the only team that does that. The Bulldogs had a pretty small defence as well, but... I just the my con, my other concern is really him, Bonner, and Leanit. They're all really poor one-on-one defenders. So it's not it's just if we're if that is our back six going into round one, that's a concern. That it's not just it's not one weak player. There's there's three potential weak players there at one-on-one defending. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and that, we, we need a lot of team defence this year. Absolutely. But I thought Hamish, uh, Tom Jonas, Tom Cleary, uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones, uh, I thought, you know, those core defend as a nucleus are very strong and we just need to try and build around that. And I guess that's why I'm a little bit frustrated. I'd love to see Joel Garner get more opportunity. I know you might know more than me about it, but it's just a bit disappointing we can't seem to you know, get a bit more from him because he he does look like that more rock solid sour sour dour defender that can do more of that one on one defending. Absolutely, yeah, that's why I like him and that's why I think he should be in the side. But um, Kersey on the Spreaker chat has said um, you obviously weren't at the intra club uh, game to see Mackenzie's cannon. Admittedly, he doesn't do it every time, but he gained a bit of respect with his goal from the centre square in the intra club. Yeah, I'd love to see that at. At a trial level or an AFL level, that would be great. Would be um, great. Yeah. I mean, uh, an intra-club, you can't put too much on it. But, um, yeah, I'd love to see it at that next level because that would excite me and I could see that would be making the difference. And I know I was away for work, so I, I didn't see it. And you never told me about it, Macca. So mm. if Macca doesn't tell me about it, it doesn't exist. Well, that's it. I wasn't there either. So, yeah, I didn't know it existed either. But that's all good. Um, Scotty Lysa, I thought he... Look... I don't know, it's hard to rate his game. I thought he was poor, but yes, he got a little bit of a knock early. And maybe that's why he um, wasn't at his best, but English gave him a bath. I thought English was the best player on the ground. Um, he ended up with uh, a lot of hitouts, kicked a couple of goals, sneaking forward and took some marks around the ground as well. Whereas Scotty Lysa, I don't know, maybe it was the ankle injury and he sort of lost his leap a little bit during the game, but it seemed like his strategy during the match was just to... Uh, try and put English off in mm. running at the ball and he'd sort of get in front of him and sort of put him off a little bit as opposed to actually going for the ball himself. 
Look, I think um, Scott, over the journey, is shown he has no concern about doing the big leap at the ruck contest to to try and get the ball. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt, my buddy, and uh, and think that that ankle injury um, must have affected him because he just kept going trying to do the uh, the body wrestle and there was no jumping at all. And it, I mean, look, he has his up and down games, but I, I've never seen him be as innocuous as he was this game. So yeah. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and put it down to that. But I do think that obviously the English domination really did affect you know our midfield clearances. Uh, our, our setups and stoppages, which obviously benefited um, uh, the Bulldogs, you know, and that's why they were winning the clearances, especially in the first quarter. Yes, we did win the clearances and the contested ball overall statistically, but it felt like just watching the game without the benefit of stats that it felt like uh, the Dogs had the better of the midfield battle um, for at least sort of three quarters of the game, I thought. Um, mm-hmm. look, yeah, look, if Lyson was injured, he gets a mulligan for that one. Um, we know he's better than that. We know he can run. It was like watching Matty Loby trying to ruck again, which um, you know is is not a memory that I really want to uh, endure. <laughs> I reckon you were in the pro Loby camp. Remember, I was the one that always was raising the questions and getting the ridicule for questioning uh, the output of Loby. And uh, if you remember, I even asked that infamous question that everyone laughed at me, which ended up being pretty reflective what's the difference between uh, uh what was it, robbie warnock robert warnock that's the one yes. <laughs> yeah i right. remember this i remember this yeah. their stats were almost identical and everyone just shit potted me and told me how much of a dickhead i was and um but it ended up being very similar in the end for their career which is unfortunate i mean Loby did have a purple patch there but he did anyway we we digress but I thought there was some great players on the weekend. Who was your pick of the Lillemacca? Uh, look, I thought we had, yeah, as you said, a, a lot of very good players. My best was probably Todd Marshall, who we've spoken about a lot in the first uh, couple of weeks of this podcast. But uh, I thought he was brilliant on the weekend. And once again, that's exactly what we need him to do. You know, that's probably the best game I've seen him play in terms of seeing him committed to the contest. He took a, a number of really good marks, um, kicked two goals, dished off a very, very clever assist as well. Um, I, f- I thought he was fantastic. Uh, his flair in the in the goal square, uh, point, in the point square, I guess, mm. um, to get the ball back that resulted in a goal was just classy. And then that, that, uh, that spin on the wing again, just classy and... Uh, yeah, you're right. We spoke about how we need Todd. He needs to be the guy that stands up this year to make a difference for us. And I'm hoping that he's got some stability in his life now with the club and the family to give him support, um, that now we will see a calmer person on the field that can actually now start growing belief in themselves to continue to have more and more influence. I think that's what he that's what he just needs, some continuity. I mean, obviously, Ken's backing him in. Um, you know, and Ken's a big rap for him from his post comments and saying we need patience and support. And uh, yeah, I'm quite optimistic. I love that. You know, I thought he read the play really well. Yeah. Um, you know, judged the ball fantastically. Uh, went for some more marks. Went for some bigger marks. You know, even Dixon seemed uh, legitimately happy for him when you know he took it. He came across and took a. You know, a park a mark over the top of the pack. So, uh, and he's a big boy, like height wise. So, he is, you know, yeah. if if he can create some influence with Dixon and him, it really starts creating trouble for the defensive group because how do they mark up? Well, that's right. And look, once again, you know, he's played three games this preseason, and he's probably been in our top four in two of them, uh, which is a good sign for for Todd. And once again. It freed up Charlie Dixon to have five shots on goal. He kicked two of them. Yep. He played really well himself too. So, um, you know, if you're going to have two key forwards playing pretty well like that, then hopefully you win most of the games. I mean, look, and I, th- I think the skill set with Charlie too was that his influence at the ruck contest in the forward 50, he, w- he was a great ruckman in this game until he got injured. So, you know, he was able to get the ball out and, and use his size in the ruck contest to an advantage. And, um, 
Yeah, my call is I think Dixon will finish top three in the Coleman this year. Okay, that'd be good if he stays if he stays fit. Yeah. Well, look, if he can kick fifty goals, that'd be fantastic. That'd be exceptional, really, for where he's Mate, come I'd from. Love it. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Yes, I thought Hamish Hartler was also very very good. Um, you know, he's just absolutely flying this preseason. So can't wait to see what he can do. Um, in the first sort of month of the, the season proper. Yeah. I mean, Hamish, we know what we're going to get from Hamish, right? He's a, an experienced player now. Um, he looks like he's stepping up a little bit in his leadership ability. Um, yeah, we just want, if we can just get consistency from Hamish and, you know, and he uses the ball well, kicks some great goals um or goal you know that's that's all we can ask you know if we get that 20 disposals from him with a bit of influence bit of body work um it's going to be an asset for the side i mean the the one that i'm excited to talk to you about maca really is um is a guy that i think even i've been questioning questioning his place in the side uh but i was really happy with tom rockcliffe's game on the on the weekend yeah tommy was pretty good i thought he had a really good second half I thought, I thought his last quarter was very, very influential. Uh, he set up a lot of the, the clearances. He used the ball very well. He found his targets. He might not be a big kick. He might not be super fast, but he is a very good user of the ball in tight, congested situations. And, you know, we need a bit of that. And I guess, you know, sometimes our, our former captain, Trav, can burn the ball, um, you don't see that from players like uh, Rockcliffe. You know, I mean, the only risk to him is his obviously his speed when the game opens up, but that's not who he is. So you need to make sure that he's not the one that's going to be exposed uh, and being chasing tail for a hundred metres down the wing because yeah. even you and I would probably run away from him. Quite possibly you, not so much me, mate. But uh, that's a story for another day. But uh, yeah, look, he was he was very good. He was very good. And look, we need someone like him in the side to stand up this year. And, you know, he's come across on a big contract and probably has under-delivered, I would think. He's he's had a few real, real standout performances, but we need him to play, you know, at least like a 7 out of 10 type game most weeks this year. Well, you'd think he'd be a quality enough player to actually deliver that sort of consistency of his fitness or his shoulders, should we say, hold up. But, I mean, I was really of the opinion of he should be starting in the SANFL. Um, but I guess I think the weekend has converted me. Yeah, he's had a good preseason as well. Another player that's had a very, very good preseason is Sam Powell Pepper, who uh, seems to be really relishing that move um, to a forward flank. He had 25 touches, five marks, eight contested disposals. Uh, didn't hit the scoreboard, but had a goal assist as well. Um, and look, the one thing that I think every Port supporter would have noticed this year is that his bowl use from the limited sample that we've seen has definitely improved. Yeah, I'm loving his aggression. Like, uh, again, I don't know. Is, is he a victim of his own circumstances there? Is he just unlucky as well? I think there's a bit of both. Um, but I, I definitely think it affected the young kids' headspace for the last couple of seasons with some of that controversy. Um, he's looking like a uh, a player that's playing freely, just giving it a go, enjoying himself, and I'm loving his uh, his tackling intent and pressure. And uh, I'm sure the opposition are avoiding it because they, he's probably the last player on our side, maybe from behind Dixon that you would, uh, you want to be uh, the sack bag for, because uh, I reckon he'd make you earn it. He'd hurt you for sure. Absolutely. You wouldn't want to be hit by Sam Palpepper. That's for sure. And look, he's playing yeah. really well. And this is what, again, this is what we need from him. You know, we know he can play exceptional football, but his consistency just has not been there at all. Um, and look, if he can play like this, most weeks this year, then that's going to be a huge benefit to our forward line and to the team as a whole. Absolutely, but he's human, right? Like that—that uh, that disturbing and disgusting 
sexual innuendo case that he had against him, what, two years ago, mm. I'm sure rocked him, right? And there's plenty of people just in society that can't handle that sort of pressure, let alone a, a young kid in an AFL system with more media scrutiny. I mean, that sort of stuff is just going to screw with your head. And, um, you know, it would take a very, very mentally strong person uh, for it not to. So, you know, I, I guess a bit like what Todd, even more severe with his family's had to go through. We just, and I, I do agree with Ken, you know, as supporters, we can all be a little bit impatient and frustrated and all that sort of stuff. And sometimes we have to bank him in. And I'm just so glad <laughs> we didn't trade him and a first round pick for bloody Orazio. No, oh, yeah, no doubt. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely would not want that to happen. That's for sure. Another player yeah. up forward um, who we've spoken about a little bit is Kane Farrell. How did you see his game on the weekend? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't see much, to be honest. I I thought he's... Uh, sometimes I miss players, but uh, for me, I just... Yeah, he, he can use the ball well, but I guess the question mark has been, does he get enough of it? Um, and I guess my thought from the game was I didn't think he did. Um, but uh, am I wrong? Did you did you see a different Kane to me? Oh, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was yeah. very useful um, further up the ground, was getting the ball a bit, uh, used it exceptionally well, kicked a goal. Um, how many how many disposals did he get? You got he had, the stats up? He had 15. Yeah. I know this. I mean, for me, like as a football watcher, I mean, it's the one thing I struggle with is judging how many possessions a player gets. I just can't pick it up for some reason. Um, but uh, I mean, look, if if we can get fifteen or twenty possessions from him, game in, game out, I guess you'd for this season you'd be happy with that because he isn't a high possession player from history. So, um, and, but we do know that. If he uses gets the ball, he uses it relatively well most of the time. So, you know, a 15-possession game from him would maybe might be 20 possessions from a lot of other players. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't, I don't hate the. I'm not a hater. I, I actually like Kane, and I like what he can bring to the side. I think he he, he reminds. Uh, my comment was he reminds me of a, a young Jared Schofield almost. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, Kane Farrell or Stephen Mollop, who gets that spot in the team, round one? Oh. Shit, I don't know. I mean, Stephen probably had a much better round one game, but he had a very quiet round two. Um, look, I guess I would probably back in... <coughs> excuse me. I'd probably back in Kane, just because I'm keen to... Uh, keep having a bit of extra youth in the side over the older boys. But I would imagine Stephen would get in the side pretty quickly. Yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, who else did you like on the weekend, mate? Uh, who else did I like on the weekend? That's a what very about your good boy, uh, Justin Westhoff? How, how did you see his going? <laughs> He's such a shit stirrer. Um, I thought he did very well in the last as Ruck. Um, I can't take that away from him. I, I thought he was a great player in the last quarter. Um, look, he's he's Justin, right? Mm. He's not horrible. He's not great. I, I still think he keeps out a specialist tall player. Um, it could be that he keeps out a second ruckman. Um, obviously, the coaches think we can play one Ruckman for 80% of the time and um, and only need a backup for 20%. Um, you know, and so obviously that means do you carry a, a second Ruck like Laddams at the moment at the expense of Westhoff who might have more influence? That I'm sure you know, that's the pathway they're going down. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. He, as you know, he confuses me a lot. Yeah, you? I thought he was okay, just okay. Um, he did all right in the last quarter uh, when we needed to, needed somebody to stand up uh, with, obviously Dixon and, and Lysett off the ground, and he did a good job. Um, yeah. Do I want him to play twenty two games this year? Probably not. Look, um, even if he's in peak form, Macca, 
I, I still think I would be hoping that we are selecting him to rest strategically at certain times um, to blood younger players. Yeah. Right? I just, you know, and I think we need to have that view with a few of our older players, um, you know, with the, with the view that we need to keep blooding opportunities for these young guys. We can't just let them be stale. It doesn't mean, I don't know, let's say Richmond's 17 and 0. You don't drop him, rest him for Richmond, right, and bring in a, a Laddams, for example, uh, for his first game at 17 and 0. But if, uh, goal, if the Crows are on the bottom... Uh, maybe in the second showdown you might rest them or something because the Crows are going to stink this year, let's face it. Um, you know, so just a bit of strategic selection like that. That's what I would be looking for, and it might even be the same for, for Travis or Rockcliffe. You know? And we should be rotating these older players through a bit more this year at selective times where we can and replacing them with younger players, whether it's Atley uh, or whoever, Garner, uh, Laddams or even Hayes. I mean, Hayes is, seems to be all the talk of the town at the moment. Yeah, that's fair. I think there's a few players. I agree. There's a few players that um, you know could do with the rest during the year, and we'll see how that plays out. I guess we're um, we're like lo- we're like lo- history. History shows we're loath to do that, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I think a lot of clubs are probably loath to do that. Um, I think Geelong did it best. In one of their premiership years, they seem to rest someone every week and paid off dividends for them. But other clubs have uh, tried to do the same and it hasn't worked out. But mm. we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see, mate. Is there anything else you want to add from uh, from Saturday's game? Oh, I thought Cleary did well. I thought Jonas played well yep. again. He's obviously taking the number one mantle um, quite well this year. He's, he's, I think he's lifted his game uh, from last year. Yeah, and, both were very um, good. I thought I, I still feel like Amon's, Amon's output's a little bit down, but he has shown sometimes it takes him a little bit of time to run in the form. I don't think he's horrible and drop worthy, but um, you know I don't think he's been stellar. He's pretty good. I thought he was pretty good on the weekend. He had 19 touches. He, uh, I thought he played a lot better than uh, the round one. Well, that's true. Game. He did do that. Yes, yeah. I would agree with that. But I, I think he's still got another level that he can raise his game to. Yeah. Um, but overall, you know, I mean, we don't need to talk about Dersma and Rosemary. We know what we're going to... Those kids are just great kids. Butters, he's he's playing Butters well. Butters was very good. Butters was yeah. very good. Didn't get a lot of the ball, but um, just impact per disposal was probably best on ground. Oh, well, and really. it's even the harassment. And I guess the thing, the other one is, and we spoke about him last week, so we don't have to speak at length, is George Artis. Yeah, I think the thing about him is... Uh, He's not flying just solely on top of Dixon's head. He's going for his grabs in big pack congested situations, which is great because it's just assisting in the ball coming to ground instead of being outmarked by a defender. Um, I, th- I th- feel like there is a bit of a strategy there with him allowing him to go for the marks. So I'd hate for him to just be jumping over the top of Dixon one-on-one or Marshall one-on-one. Um, you know, that's where you've got to back those big guys in to take the marks. Um, but, you know, if there's a pack, if there's four, five, six more players, hey, man, go for it. You're gonna, he's going he's gonna to clunk one and um, take mark of the year. He, he's got a bit of Jeremy Howe about him at the moment, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's got a good spring in his step, that's for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, he's exciting. And, again, it just shows that, the youth gives us a bit of hope, a bit of promise for the future, and um, it doesn't hurt to play them. It just brings excitement, especially to the old legs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, let's get on to some questions from Big Footy. The first one's from Laugh Laugh, and it is uh, overall from September 2019 to March 2020. Has the club improved its on-field position? Uh, well, you'd have to, you'd probably have to say yes, wouldn't you? We drafted well. Um, the, you know, it's still, uh, it's still out on uh, the Dougal trade. He had a good game on the weekend for his trial. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, we drafted in, brought in some, some good players, some we haven't even seen yet that you're a big fan of. So, and we're playing better. 
So there seems to be a bit stronger team unity. So my answer would be yes. Mine would be short-term no. Uh, I think we're weaker this year than we were last year. Uh, but long-term, yeah. yes. I think we've made the right decisions long-term. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got to look at sometimes the best players aren't necessarily the best team people, right? So, and culture can do more harm than actually uh, by keeping these great players than actually letting them go. So it's amazing how much of an influence culture can do. That's it, absolutely. Interstater has asked, did any player surprise you with their improvement over the trial games? Uh, players surprise. Anyone surprise you? Um, I think Hamish Hartlett, the way that he started the preseason in just lightning form has surprised me. I didn't expect that. I think um, to see Charlie Dixon up and about, kicking goals and moving freely was is fantastic. I think he's improved. I think Todd Marshall from the first game through to the under-23 game to this week's game was excellent and that showed a lot of improvement. Um, I think Darcy Byrne-Jones has improved slightly as well and obviously Pau Pepper. Well, I guess my I answered that question earlier with when I said I, I've done a complete 180 on Tom Rockcliffe. Um, and in relation to uh, Dixon, I think we're kicking the ball a lot better and smarter to him. Um, Instead of just bombing it high and long onto his head, we're we're trying to make him lead more. We're trying to get it into positions where it's easier for him to mark, which is is going to be then easier for him to have shots on goal. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Macca1870 has asked, the club looks set to go with McKenzie as third toll down back against the Suns in round one. But for versatility alone, why isn't Leanit in the conversation more? Uh, I don't. Uh, I think I said before. I just don't rate Lena as a one-on-one, and probably the coaches don't either. So I don't think um, you know Leanit's that third-tall solution either. It's probably Jack Watts, to be honest. Yeah. But he's a he's a little while away. But I guess the more pertinent question is Macca. Why are there so many Maccas? Why are there so many Maccas? That's a good question, mate. That is a good question. <laughs> I'm not sure of the answer, but it is a very good question from Sleazy. Um, there were obviously 18 other Maccas before me. And Macca 1870, that's a lot of Maccas as well. <laughs> there is a lot of Maccas. There is a lot of Maccas. But... Look, I, I don't know about Lena. Like, yes, he's versatile. I'd still prefer to see him up the ground more. I'd like to see him on a wing because I think he can use his foot skills a bit more to the team's advantage than down back because he isn't a very good one-on-one defender. Again, he's another player that we've tried to shoehorn into defence when I don't think he's really suited down there. Um, Is McKenzie a lock for round one? I'd hope not. I don't know if we can just go in with Cleary and Jonas and then guys like Burton um, to sort of uh, fill that void as well. Or maybe Westhoff plays down back. Which, uh, I think I think Westhoff has to play that third tall. To be honest, I don't think we've got until Watts is back. I just don't think we've got another option. Yeah, I, I would. I don't know. I don't feel safe with Westhoff down back, but I feel safer than if it was McKenzie down there. Yeah, absolutely. There's absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the next question is from Powerade. Um, I guess three out of the following four will likely be played in any one side. Mackenzie, Lena, Watson, Jonas. Uh, it's more of a statement than a question, that one. Yeah. Um, AFL 2004, basically what we were just talking about. What is Westhoff's starting position and where does he play? Because I don't know what his role is. Um, I don't think anybody Has anyone knows. ever known what his role is? Not really. I think his role is to start on the bench. Yeah, look, I'd be okay with that. Start on the bench and then fill wherever... He needs to go, <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, and if that's down back, it's down back. If it's up forward, it's up forward. If it's uh, on a wing or in the ruck, then so be it. Correct. Uh, Glitcho one has said, uh, I get the feeling that my buddy Ebo is on the verge of non-selection. Do you guys see a role for him in our first 22? That's He's probably another question me. we've we've spoken about Brad quite a bit to start the season. And, uh, yeah, he didn't really do much in the second half to suggest that... Um, 
He well, they didn't the, play him the until 22. the last quarter. Oh, he had 36% time on the ground, so he played. He, he didn't come on until after halftime. I like thought him, it was like the last quarter that he came on. No, him, Drew, and Lena all played the second half. Did they? I didn't see much of Drew either, to be honest. He was okay. He didn't. Uh, yeah, he wasn't really around the ball too much, but yeah, yeah. But uh, I yeah, I, I don't know. know. Honestly, I, I all respect to Brad. I think he's cooked, man. And uh, yeah, pick a marquee game work. for him this year. Let him year. work his way back in. Let him get yeah, some yeah, form and work his way well, back. I just, if he can't work his way in near the end of the year, just find a game for him, recognise him, or you know whatever. I mean, he's been a great player. He sacrificed um, West Coast to come back to play with his family roots, and you got to respect that. And he's given his all. He, you, you can't say that he hasn't sacrificed himself for the club at all. Um, yeah, he's put his body on the line countless times, and well, I just think that let's give him a graceful and respectful exit. I like that. And the last question is from Andre. Should we play two rucks? Well, I think so. My my two buddies are two ruckmen, Lysett and Laddams. Um, again, this game has shown that uh, it's quite easy for one to go down. It's happened quite a few times. Uh, Lysett seems to do his ankle. Um, and I don't know. I like Laddams. I think Laddams plays well almost as a big ruck rover. Um I don't think he can play that bullocking uh, Ruckman role as of yet. He's not strong enough, but um, he's getting you know, he yeah, he's getting there. And I th- but he keep competes around the ground, so yeah. I think him and Lysa could complement each well very well in a game. It would be good to see. I don't know, but do you think it it throws the balance out? I don't think so. If Nankovic and Soldo can win a premiership for Richmond, then there's no reason why Laddams and Lysett can't coexist in the team together. Well, I mean, I don't see how, like, playing Laddams over McKenzie, no offence to McKenzie, is going to deprive us of anything. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I think both should play. I think we need them to both play. Yeah. Laddams needs experience, and I think Lysett needs a little bit of help. Laddams can also pinch it up forward. If things aren't working with Dixon or, or Marshall, it just gives us an extra option in a, a couple of places that we need it. Yeah, absolutely. Versatility. And like, Versatility. like we said, hopefully we've got Sam Hayes, who could be the best of all three of them, coming through in the second half of the year. Yeah. Are you in a hurry to rush Hayes in, or do you think let's just let him go until he's like dominating... SANFL and then go, okay, man, you, you've been it. Let's get you in there. I want to see him play some AFL games this year, for sure. Absolutely. But, it, again, it depends on form. Like, he's got two other ruckmen in front of him, so he's got to work his way into the team. And, look, I think he's skillful enough to do that this year and maybe get in front of one or, or both of them. But uh, mm. I think next year's probably his year to shine a bit more. Um, mm. You know, he just needs to stay injury-free this year and play some football. Do you think all three could play together? Potentially. Potentially, because Hayes can play up forward a bit better than what the other two can. Um, But it would be a bit of a stretch to have three guys like that in the one team. Mm. Did we make a mistake giving Lysette five years? Uh, Maybe. Maybe. But if that's what it took to get him across, then so be it. I don't know. I think we maybe hoped that Ryder wouldn't have fallen off a cliff like he did in the last sort of year. Mm. Um, and maybe we got a little bit spooked by that. Um, you know, Hayes was obviously a long way off. Laddams was nowhere this time last year. Like People were saying, why did we keep Peter Laddams for? Um, and he obviously had a fantastic season last year in the SANFL. So um, it can happen like that. Yep. Obviously, in hindsight, I don't know. I don't know if I'd do the do a five year deal for license again, but look, it is what it is. You got to uh, you got to overpay to get these uh, restricted agents over too, though, right? Yeah, you do. What about the uh, the potential macker to uh, games being played in front of empty stadiums? That would be interesting. 
That would be interesting. It wouldn't be good. It's not a good look. I wonder. I wonder would they like Italy? They're actually cancelling games now, not just playing them in empty stadiums. Mm. Would the AFL just cancel a couple of rounds and keep the grand final date the same, or would they just postpone it and then? I don't think you can do that. Can't I, postpone. I can't. Well, maybe postpone, but I can't see how they can cancel games or rounds. I just don't think it would work at all. But would it cause people like us members to want a partial refund if games were just cancelled? I'm sure there would you be buy, some people out there that would you'd, request refunds. You'd buy tic- yeah, you bought tickets for 11 games or whatever and you only get a product of nine games or eight games. I mean, it's a massive Pandora's box. Um, yeah, I don't know how massive Pandora's box is, but it must be massive. Like it's gonna, it's gonna open up a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, issues, I think. So it's crazy. It's a bit of a weird time. Are you one of these toilet paper holders, hoarders? No, I'm not, but, um, you almost have to now because of all the crazies that are hoarding toilet paper. So you feel like you've got to get in first <laughs> just, just so you actually get some, like <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm lucky that uh, my, my my wife just must be a uh, an Armageddonist because we we're stocked up for two years with toilet paper before <laughs> any of this shit happens. So <laughs> we're okay. Oh, that's good. That's good. But it is interesting. If, if, if you run out, you can just have a shower, mate. It's uh, it's fine. No, we're we're all right. We got a we got a bidet in our uh, in our bathroom. So uh, if we run out of loo paper, we can just go to the old flannel and water. So I met Fraser from the footy club last week. He's yes. taken over corporate sales. Yes. And um, so we had a chat. Uh, they've got a new uh, corporate package, uh, which I think is very good value and um, quite a good idea. So the club has had a history of, struggling to sell the Eastern boxes for whatever reason. Uh, One of them primarily being there's just a lot of them. Yep. So what they've done is they've called it a Club 150 membership um, or corporate membership. And basically you can buy seats individually for a box. So they're boxes of 10 over on the east side. So let's say me, you, and one other person, uh, we just wanted to do something different. We can buy three seats in the 10-seater box, and then it is just shared with uh, other people that just want a one-off or the occasional uh, corporate seat. Um, I thought the pricing is pretty good. They've they've, they've classed it the Tier 1 and Tier 2. So Tier 1 is... Uh, 170 and tier two is 150. Fraser can always correct me on that if I've remem- remembered it incorrectly. But um, you get four hours of drink package, um, and then they serve you three different serves of food platters at, lun- at lunchtime or half time. So you know it's nice and simple. You don't have to go through the corporate packaging order. It's all just pre-templated, and the drinks come to you. Um, so at 150, I mean that's reasonably good value for that's good, good seats. Price. Yep. It is a good price, good seats. You know, um, just below the Audi Club there, so very good view. Um, you know, four hours of alcohol. What are we talking about now? Ten bucks a beer um, at Adelaide Oval. You know, plus some food. So, you know, if you went with a couple of mates and you know you had six or seven beers over four hours and a bit of food, you've probably got your money's worth. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a good strategy to try and help sell those seats, which are probably the most difficult for them to sell. So Fraser's the guy, um, and it's the Club 150 membership for any of those that are uh, of interest. And keep an eye out because we've got a, a couple of seats um, that can be going up for some sort of giveaway incentive. Macca. Yes, we do. Oh, on behalf of uh, New Vision New and Vision. its mysterious 1% loan that no one, our fellow <laughs> radio show host, doesn't believe exists with Dave Lloyd and Soto's 
and uh, and Professionals Mobry, who's come on board. Don't know who owns that one, um, but uh, they're doing free appraisals left, right, and centre. Those agents, if anyone needs a, an appraisal, especially in the uh, northeast, so look out for that. Uh, look out for that giveaway. And the other one is where I'm. I spoke to Fraser. We're going to try and get Dave Hutton on the show in the next week or two. He's working with the club now, full time. Beautiful. Have you heard that one? I haven't heard that one. No. Yeah, so Hutz is working at the club full-time as past player liaison. Beautiful. With his job being to get past players to be more involved and reconnect with the footy club. That's a good idea. That's a very Which good I idea. Which I think he, he is a great idea. Um, you know, I, I think one of the stories that's he's a, of, he's a great guy, Hutz. He's a great guy. You know, he, remember, he was the CEO of the Magpies for a while. Yeah. He was in the coach's box in 2004. He was, yeah. And, you know, one story that still breaks my heart is hearing, like, especially when there was all that shit being spoken about, the, you know, how the, the two clubs are separate and all that sort of stuff, was hearing one of our greatest players, um, you know, Scott Hodges was a, a Collingwood supporter. Hmm. Yeah, and was like, man, how can you be a Collingwood supporter? And, you know, it's just crazy. You know, but, I mean, you just don't know the shit's thrown around. But so it'll be great to to see Hutt's role evolve and uh, and to see the re-engagement of all the past players because that's one of the things that makes our club great. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. Anyway, well, that was that was going to be my, I think, my return serve this week. So hopefully I haven't <laughs> just stolen my own thunder. Good job. On that you note, got any you, you got a, any admin tips for me for my five minute podcast this week? Any any topics that I need to talk about? Mm, not off the top of my head, no. No. Well, that ain't helping me. That's, that's your job, mate. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> All right, done. buddy. Until next time, count the pair. Adios. Ciao, ciao.